we exalt you. Yes. We give you honor, we give you glory, we give you praise. We thank you for another day. Yes. We bless your name for this new year. Yes. Thanks for your goodness upon us, your loving kindness unto us. We bless your name for the wonderful opportunities that lie ahead of us this year. Thank you for uh, forming that Christ man in us. We bless you for your word tonight. We pray for your anointing upon every man and every woman. Open the eyes of our understanding. Let the engrafted word of God find place in the soil of our hearts. We thank you. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Wow, it's so cold in Georgia. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. Ooh, I feel it. Praise God. And I'm sure everybody, everybody's feeling it. Wow, many people, many people stayed home tonight. They rather hug that bed and come out here. I'm not quite sure if I can blame them too much. <laughs> Well, you guys are brave, praise God. It's good to have you here tonight. Uh, so tonight I just want to uh, properly unpack this message on the resting in the finished work of Christ. And, and I'm doing this because I truly believe that once and if we do get this message correctly, we'll be on our way. It is a very, very fundamental Message that God is giving to his body. And I really just trust God that we will get it. So, many of us by now should understand what rest means. Is that correct? Well, if that's correct, can anybody tell me what it means? <laughs> anybody, what is the rest of God? Him having everything, just... Him having everything. Yeah, I mean, just totally surrender. Like, like have my key? <laughs> <laughs> he said him having everything. What? <laughs> Break it down. I just want to make sure you get it. I, I hear you, but I want to make sure. Um, like, like just, okay, sorry. Just really just, you know, know that he has it all. We got no worries. Just depend He got you covered. Yeah. Got you covered. Amen. Is, is that correct? Do we believe that? Yes. Amen. That's true. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's a very simple way to put it. A total and complete reliance on a part of the believer, knowing that everything that has to do with your existence is covered. It's covered. You know, we have this uh, insurance commercial that come on TV, all state. You are in good hands <laughs> until flood comes. You you find that <laughs> you find out how how good a hand you are in. Go ask those guys in Louisiana. True story. Austin is out of business in Louisiana. Katrina hit that place. Their hands, were not, their hands were not big enough to cover all the claims that came through. So they just cannot do business in Louisiana for a minute. So for us as believers, it's not been in good hands, but been in God's hands. Now, sometimes that is often easier said than done. But when we turn that corner to where we can truly Honestly, be in that realm. Uh, someone was asking me on Monday, when I was in the place on Monday, and the person said to me, he said, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. He said, but break it down for me. Let, I hear this wonderful description of what rest is, trusting on God. He said, okay, if my rent is due, so this guy put it to me like that. He said, if my rent is due on the last day of the month and I don't have it, 
What do I do? Being in rest, what does that mean? What do I do? How do I handle that? I said to them, there are certain things you must settle ahead of time in rest. Are you following what I'm saying? And the best way for me to put that to you is to go to two scriptures. Well, I won't go to it, but I'll give it to you. First, in the book of Esther. What did he say? If I perish, I perish. You have to get to that point, realizing if God don't do it, and you perish, I'd rather perish with God than perish without God. You know, my friends on the Adelaide in Ukraine, uh, Pastor Abdeke, remember? He said for every believer, there are some th- certain things you need to get taken care of. <laughs> he said you need to picture yourself dying and going to your grave service. And one of the assignments he gave us was to write your own tombstone. Yeah. Write it while you are alive. You are saying bye-bye to this life as you know it. You say, life, you know what? <laughs> I've come to the point where, listen, I'm putting it all, I'm putting it all on the stake. On the line for Jesus. That's, that's basically what they're saying. So Esther got to that point where he says, you know what? If I perish, I perish. Another example that we can all look at, and this thing actually happened, is the three Hebrew boys. And you and I face that every day. What's the challenge for them? We're going to make a graven image. We play music. When you hear the music, you're going to need to bow down to it. Now, for me and you, it may not be a graven image. It could be compromise at work, compromise in your family, all kinds of things that may not be God. You are aware it's not God, but because of need and necessity, you say, God will not mind, and you bow to it. Simple, little compromises we make. But for those guys, they say, you know what? God can deliver us. But they also said, even if he does not, we still will not bow. That is a position of rest. That is what, that, you need to see the two sides of rest. Okay? There are a lot of times when the need will be met before you can even blink. But there may be times where that need is not met. But the reason it's not met, it's not so much so God can shame you, no, it's because God wants to actually glorify himself through this situation. Because in both cases, Esther, did, did she, did she, perish? she didn't perish. But she had to overcome that fear. And in the three Hebrew boys, they also did not perish. Instead, God be, was glorified in the matter. Amen? Amen? So what I'm saying to us is, you and I must get to that where we trust God ahead of time and just say, you know what? I've said to this matter, I'm going to stand with God no matter what. No matter what. Okay. So, rest is just a place, a realm, where you and I come to the point of total reliance on God for our every existence. We see this in the scriptures, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, where the Bible talks about how Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundation of the earth. So, his crucifixion was the foundation upon, upon which the world was built. Huge. And we see God demonstrate this in Genesis chapter 1 verse 5 when he was creating the earth on the days where the Bible says he made the evening and the morning. 
showing us that in the evening, rest, a time of rest. Is it what it started with? I mean, isn't that, is it just me that that blows his mind? I mean, when I first saw that, I said, whoa, this guy turned the thing upside down. He made the evening first. Meaning that you and I work from the position of rest. We move, we act, we talk, we play. Everything we do, we do from the position and posture of rest. And I can tell you in my own life that the mistakes I've made, the biggest mistakes I've made have been when I've not been at rest. Worried, concerned, hurrying, hasty. You make a call because the need is so pressing. You have got to make a decision. I've got to make a call. I've got to make, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. You do it, boom, it's wrong. There's a reason for which God says, be still. I know that I'm God. Be still. Just hold still. Because in that stillness, you can filter through all of the scams and all of the shams and all of those things that look like maybe the right solution and right answer, and then you can settle down with God. So he made the evening first, and then he made the day, evening and day. To show us that we start, we, we move, we talk, we act from the position of rest. Now, let me read that scripture again in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I just saw this in this last week and it just it thrilled me to no end. So we see that Adam functioned from rest. But that was not enough an example for God. He went ahead and made Israel as an example for us and showed us how Israel walked into rest. Determine chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Let me read it. Yep. No, 10 and 11, I'm sorry. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which you swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. Man, I, believe, I mean, I've read that many times. It did not occur to me. He's giving them cities they did not build. How much of the Hebrew effort went into the cities? Zero. He didn't need their effort. He just needed their obedience. Cities you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Oh my God. Are you saying they didn't have to put the carpet on the floor? They didn't have to buy the appliance? They didn't have to buy the 75 inch HD smart TV? None of that. They didn't have to do it. God did it. And then it goes on to say, Horn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. I mean, those, those four areas are the four basic necessities for any person to function and to survive. And God said, I've given them all to you without your input. Just go get it. So we saw it in Adam. Now we see it in Israel. And the amazing thing is, Israel was not, they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we only have. So is God going to do any less for us now? No. No. 
So, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. So, we saw it in Genesis with Adam. We saw it in Deuteronomy chapter 6 with Israel. Now, Jesus came in John 19, 30, said, it is finished. It is finished. In other words, what my father did in Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 2, I've replicated in, 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 uh, through the cross. It is finished. And as a result of that finished work, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says that God has blessed you and I with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Nothing is left out. Nothing. So the Hebrews don't have anything on us. Everything we will ever need. Jesus packaged it and made it available to us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. That's why the psalmist can tell us in Psalms 103, Psalms 107, that he daily loads us with benefits. They are already there. But one thing we must know is that fear and rest cannot coexist. Both fear and rest cannot be together. That's a challenge. They are mutually exclusive to one another. And so when God makes promises and we see those promises, we can either receive it, or we can say, well, yes, God is able, but in my case, perhaps not. And then we get into fear mode. Let's just take a minute and look at the scripture. And then I'm going to come back and give you guys a practical, a real true story on this thing. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. Numbers chapter 13, verse 31. Moses sent those guys out to go spy the land. They came back with this report in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. How do they know that? Did they get in the battle in the contest? How did they know those guys are stronger? Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that divorces its inhabitants. How did they know that? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Okay, perhaps. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so, we were in their sight. My goodness. Where did the problem begin? In them. In their own sight. Those opponents did not see them as grasshoppers until they first saw themselves like that. I, I don't know if you guys understand what I just said. What the sons of Enoch saw was what the Israelites perceived that they were. In other words, those Israelites had a wrong conception or perception about who they were. They did not know their true identity. 
And therefore, they took on the identity of something or someone other than themselves. This is huge. Because I can show you what their real identity was. We saw that in Psalms 114, where the Bible says they came out of Egypt and the sea saw them and ran. The sea, the sea, the water saw these Israelites coming and ran. Mountains saw them coming and began to skip. Why? Because the presence of God was upon them. And the elements around them recognized the presence of God, but they themselves, who carried the presence, did not recognize what they're carrying. Do you, do, are, you, are you seeing this? Do you understand what I'm saying? So they saw these giants, rather than see the who is upon them, because greater is he that is with us than he that's in the world, rather than see the greater one that's on them, they were seeing the giants. And they said, man, we look like grasshoppers. And immediately they said that and believed that, those guys saw them like that. How does that apply to us? Can anybody make the connection? Yeah. Like there is this position out there. Yeah. And uh, you think, oh, I may be qualified. Probably you, you are qualified for it, but when you see yourself that, oh, you may not be qualified or something, so you already disqualify yourself. You don't even try to do it. So, 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 that's very good. That's correct. Anybody else? What she saying is correct? Huh? Okay. Yeah. You disqualify yourself because mainly we're the worst critics of ourselves, I believe. Um, and so we criticize or we feel that we know our weakness, we know our shortcomings, and we dwell on the negative things where instead of dwelling on who's actually with us, who has called us, who has anointed us, and things like that. Good. There are two scriptures that come to mind, and I'm saying that because I want you guys to be men and women of the world. Both answers are correct. Both answers are correct, but there's a scriptural concept that describes what both of them are saying. And it's important to know that because that's really what nails it. Can anybody take a... You have a mic? Anybody? Okay. You, you have some? Okay. Yeah. Step, take a stab at it. Yeah. I almost forgot them now. I think Hebrews 4, um, where it said that they didn't enter the land as a... I mean, they didn't enter into the rest as a lack of unbelief. And so okay. I think as it applies to this particular scripture... Um, they had they talked themselves out of into the rest of God um, as, as a result of how they saw themselves. Quick, quickly, the first scripture says, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." Whatever perception you have of yourself, you know what happened? You just created your own world. It's not the enemy; it's you. As a man thinketh in himself. So is he. That's number one. So what does that say to me and you? We need to guard how we're thinking. You need to guard the thoughts you allow. You need to guard it. That's what, that's what, that's what almost killed Job. He's at home. His kids are out. Hmm. Man, faith, I wonder what he's doing out there. That boy. He goes out every five o'clock. I wonder if he's picking up dope. 
Let me go offer, offer sacrifice in case that's what he's doing. I mean, his thoughts is driving him. Thoughts that are unchecked, that are not godly. You are responding to something that's not happened. You walk yourself up and you think that's not even happened. That's number one. Second scripture. By what we think and say, we call those things that be not. And they become. They have to become. Why, why must they become pastor? Because you are a spiritual person. You, you must recognize that. You are speaking the things that are not as though they were. Oh, it's my bad luck again today. And the Bible says you are a God. I didn't say it. John 60, 63. He says it. So you, you, so you have what you say. <laughs> so, so that's why those things are important. So these guys, instead of believing what God said about them, in spite of what's happening around them, ah, they say, man, we are like grasshoppers. And immediately they release that in their thought mind, into the atmosphere. The enemy picked it up and said, yeah, that's who you are. Amen? And we know that because in Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, verses 9 and 10, Joshua and Caleb, this is what they said, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are bread. And look at the next sentence. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So fear is what robs us from rest. But importantly, before God even sent them, God has taken away the, the, the it's already dis, disarmed those people. They were already, already defeated. So for me and you, we have the opportunity every day, every day, to either see, uh, see the enemy as bread or for us to see ourselves as grasshopper. That's the choice we make every day. Are you a grasshopper on your own side? Or are your enemies bread for you? Are we going to allow the enemies of fear, depression, sickness, financial ruin, and relational difficulty overtake us? Are we going to be able to overtake them through the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, I have a friend. This is a true story. And this is just a few months ago. Oh, did you have something? I'm sorry. Yeah. We call those things, those things that be not as though they were. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this guy has a young, it, well, it's not a teenager now, it, like a 20-year-old son. And they've been having issues with him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and the thing just escalates and escalates and the guy just gets all, I mean, it's, 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 it gets worked up because, and, 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 and Rightly so. This is son. In fact, the only son in the family. The rest of the kids are boys. And girls. They're girls. <laughs> no, they're not transgender. They're, they're just, okay. And this guy just keeps on saying how he hates his parents, how he can't stand them, to the point where the father became so afraid to even sleep at home. He said, you know what? This boy that's saying this thing, 
I don't know what this boy is capable of doing. It may get a knife and stab me while I'm asleep. I mean, the, the man said this to me. And I kept on encouraging, encouraging him. And then one Sunday afternoon, they were in church. And this boy was so enraged. Right there in church in the parking lot. Went to the father's car and, distra- and just used the baseball bat and smashed the windows. The- <laughs> in public. And the father said, you are not coming back home with me today. You go and find a place. Just go and find another place for you to stay. Now, the, the, the reason this became a challenge was because the mother was on one side and the father's on the other side. You know your mother. I mean, your mother said, ah, where, would you, where is this boy going to go? Where, where? So the father said, what do you want me to do? If he can do this to me publicly, what is he going to do when we get in the house when I'm asleep? <laughs> so, the boy went to his sister's apartment after church because father said, you can't come home. So they called me. By this time, the mother called me. This is what's going on. You need to reach this man. Da, 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 da. You know, I listened to this. I said, my God, what do, you, what do you say to this? So about 9 p.m., the boy comes to the house. Immediately, the father's know that he came. Man, he said, today's, one of us will go to the grave today. Because this boy is not, the mother is saying, no, you need to come home. Where is he going to sleep? His sister, he can't sleep with his sisters. His sisters has a roommate. Da, 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 da. So they call me. I'm hearing all the things in the background. Say, oh, God, Jesus. I'm begging this man, let him stay at least tonight. And then tomorrow you guys go find him a shelter or something like that. The, boy, the man said, no way. Say, you know, I've never said no to you, sir. But tonight I'm saying no. So, the mother took him. They went, they, they went, they, she went and put him somewhere for the night. He will not. But in the meantime, while all of this was going on, the man was in pain. Because I know the family. He, is, he loves his children like crazy. So, the next day, I called him. I said, and he gave me the litany of all what this boy said, da, 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 and he's just so frustrated because he felt like he's done everything to show this man love, this boy love, and the boy just continues to reject it and say, no, it's not there. So I asked him a question. I said to him, I said, does God love you? He said, yes. I said, have you always believed that God loves you? That was my question to the father. Have you always believed that, that God loves you? Uh, he said, well, uh, then he finally rested and said, well, no, not really. I said, well, now you must understand where this boy is. Now, I don't condemn what he's done. But I'm saying to you that in this situation, in spite of your love towards him, he's totally blinded to it. He does not perceive it. He does not believe it. He has not received it. So that's the problem. So he's asking, how can he not see it? Well, well, well. I said, okay, how, how, how could you not see, have seen it in your own life? Did God just start lo- loving you a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago? He's always loved you. Did you always perceive it? He said, no. I said, why? Why did you not perceive it? <sighs> so, the things got so bad, this boy was squatting. 
Now, he goes to college. He was squatting. He didn't have a dorm. He was squatting in the college premises. So, now, what, I'm, what I'm telling you is true story. So, this man, maybe October, November, went to see the boy in school. After I've talked to him and talked and talked and talked, I said, just go and reach out to him. He went there to see the boy. The boy told, told the counselors to get the man out of the campus. He doesn't want to see his father. <laughs> now, on that one, when, when the man called me and told me that, both of us were crying on the phone. Because by this time, he's done everything almost humanly possible. And the guy still just shut him out. So, we waited a few more days. And I started working on him again. And just talking to him about rest and love and rest and love and rest and love. And um, to the glory of God, he began to respond. I mean, I'm talking to the father. Just reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. I mean, totally humbling himself. Knowing that every moment, every gesture that it makes to this boy, it could be rejected. The boy can say, you go jump in a lake. And many times he said that. But he just kept on going back. Kept on going back. Kept on going back. And so, this last week, they had a breakthrough. They had a breakthrough. Uh, so much so, uh, what's today? Today is uh, Thursday. Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry, Wednesday. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> On Monday, I was talking to him. I said, uh, Pastor, he said, Pastor, I have to call you back. He said, me and, he named the boy. We are, we, are, we, are, we are at a movie. I said, what? I said, okay. I didn't know, I didn't know how, quite, how quite to take that. I didn't know, I didn't know who took who to the movie house. <laughs> and so the next day, the next morning, this is, the, this, is the real, this is where the real thing gets good. This boy, who had been totally unresponsive to love up to that point, for some reason, his eyes opened and began to now see and appreciate his father's love. And the next morning, after they'd been to the movie, he cooked his father breakfast and brought him to him in the room. <laughs> the father said, this is for me. He said, yes. Ah, he didn't know how to take it. I hope there's no... <laughs> He did not know if this is after his insurance policy or what. <laughs> and as he was going through the mental picture, and he said, well, what is that? And the boy said, this is to say thank you for yesterday. Finished the father completely. And the man took the picture of the food and sent it to me. <laughs> now, this is the point I'm making with all of that. In spite of how ridiculously impossible the situation was, the father made a quality decision. That in spite of how bad and how gloomy it was, it was causing problems with him and his daughters, him and his wife, and him and his... Everything, everything was... Everything, it looked bad. He was able to come to that position of rest and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust God. 
And even though the boy re re rejected him, I'm talking insult in public. This man is a pastor. Who's someone was doing this? And the congregation, everybody saw, there's no way everybody saw it. So the point I'm asking, I'm making tonight is, what price is too much to pay to trust God? Even when you do not see the solution, when you don't see, when you don't see a glimpse of hope. Was it worth it for him to, to be rejected, humiliated, to gain his son back? And when, it, when he sent the picture to me yesterday, you know what I asked him? I said, do you, I said, now, as we are on this other end of this tribulation, I said, do you still remember how your car was damaged? He said, you can't even remember it. That's the thing about this thing. Of course you could not remember that. The joy of now seeing it turn around totally, completely dwarfs all the issues. Nobody remembered that Lazarus was dead. But everybody wanted to see him as the resurrected one. Nobody was talking about his wake keeping and his funeral and a nice eulogy and the songs that he said. Nobody cared about that. They just wanted to rejoice over the resurrection. And that's the same thing with us. When we are going through those moments where we are in the darkest, darkest of places, it will look as if and appear as if the darkness is bigger than light. Always. But when the flicker of that switch comes on, that darkness disappears so quickly. You, you, you've ever wondered if it ever existed. So we will have challenges. There's no doubt about that. None of us is going to be exempt. But the key to the victory in every challenge is rest. Fear not. Go read that many times Jesus said it. Fear not, all little children. It's your father's good pleasure to give the kingdom. Over and over and over because he realizes fear is the only thing that can move us from rest. Yes. I know you've mentioned uh, that we need to be in, in a place of rest. Yes. Now, and you used the example of um, Esther. Mm-hmm. That she said, if I perish, I would perish. Yes. So I'm trying to make sure I understand when you say rest. Is, mm -hmm. that, a, is that an attitude of trusting God no matter what the situation is or what is happening or, or if it's going for a period of time like this person that just you just described? Because that has been going on for over two years or more. And so at that time of resting, is it an attitude or do you just, I don't want to leave people with the impression that, oh, something, I'm going through something, so I'm just going to say, it, God is it, just going to have to take care of it. Uh, I don't do anything. I sit back um, and do absolutely nothing. My uh, friend I just described continued to make overtures of love. Okay, so it's not a time of inactivity. It's a time of walking in God. 
So in this, God. yeah, trusting God. Trust, trusting God in the sense that you are doing the things that God expects of you to do. Yes. In this man's case, as a father, his role and job, if you will, was to love his child. Regardless of what the child does. No matter what. Because that's how God loves me and you, regardless of what we do. That's it. So he, every chance he got, he went to him to see him in school. He you know, did things for him on and on and on, even at the risk of being rejected. And he was rejected many times. But he, reje- he did not allow the rejection to stop him. So you bring that into your own situation. You've got to know that you are doing the word. That's your part. To do the word and expect God to honor his word. He said his word will not return unto him void. Now, for me and you, the thing is, God does not put a time or a window on when he's going to do what he's going to do. And, like I said, with Esther and with three Hebrew boys, we must be prepared that even if he did not do what we think he's going to do, he's still our own good. Now, did you guys get that? Okay, let me say that again. So I'm trusting God for a car. The the thing is is deeper than all of that. Okay, let me back up. Because me and Sammy had this discussion on on Monday, New Year's Day. Sammy was the one asking me all these questions. And I said to him, I said, Sammy, okay, so I'm trusting God for a car. I said, I've got to first make sure that I am not the one orchestrating a car, but God is moving in me to get a car. That's where it starts. I do not create a desire and say, God, meet it. And a lot of times, that's what happens. So I've created a desire, something I want. And I say, God, okay, and I bring it to God. I say, God, now, meet this need. It's not obligated. Do you see the difference? But when I'm walking with God, remember what God says? He said, my ship hear my voice. On a voice of a stranger, I will not follow. I have daily, regular, intimate communion with God. He will place desires in me. He will say, bank, don't settle for a use. Go and get a new one. I got you covered. That desire came out of a relationship. It came out of communion with God. And then I have the confidence to step out and go do that because what? God said it. I spoke to a woman this evening, uh, and she was telling me she wanted to go and buy a used car. She was unemployed, and she, she, she was just believing for a used car, and that's what she was going to go get. And she, heard, she just heard the voice said, why do you want to settle for a used car? Go get a new one. What? Sit and get behind me. <laughs> I have no job. You want me to go get a new car? But the voice persisted. Just tonight, just this evening, the lady was sharing that with me. Lo and behold, she went. And she got a new car. I mean, I can't give you all the details. It's just just crazy, crazy details. So what I'm saying is, if God is, because every example you see in the scriptures is born out of some kind of relationship with God. So, and that's why I'm saying to us this new year, by God's grace, we want to focus on Jesus. That's, Jesus is the central figure. That's him. It's a package deal. 
you know him, everything else is it's, it's, it's just automatic. We want to sing Jesus, dance Jesus, spoken word Jesus, preach Jesus, teach Jesus. Not to say we are not teaching Jesus before, but what I'm saying, I want us to really get to know the profile. Who is this man, Jesus? And get in this mind. Amen? So it all begins with that relationship. That, I guess that, that's the point I'm, I'm making. And that's what I told Simon. I can't just go out there and say I want to go get a million-dollar house. Because I see it on uh, uh, what, HDTV. Is that what they show all those homes? I, I just see these nice homes. You know, I, I, was, I was going to get a $5 million home. A child of God, $5 million home. Praise God. Now, God can do it. But it better be God that said for you to go do it. Otherwise, it's going to become what? A public nuisance. <laughs> Amen. So I don't know if I answered that question, but that's... Any other, any other comment or question? Let me need to pray. So big time, fear is what we're dealing with. Yes, Marie. just wanted to add to what Pastor Sharon said mm-hmm. and say that um, to get to that place of rest, the yes. Bible talks about laboring to get into that rest. Correct. And sometimes that laboring will involve Reminding place of rest is your state of mind. It's your state of mind that you trust God, that God will reign supreme in that circumstance. And sometimes when you, look, when you, you find yourself, or I find myself in a situation between mm-hmm. a rock and a hard place, I find myself when it looks like the walls are crumbling down. I found myself in a situation where it looks like this is just contrary to the word of God. But you, I have to remind myself using the word of God, you know, that, that I'll get through. I'll, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Absolutely. I will help you. Yeah. So, and the word of God is power. It has power in it to give Correct. you strength. Correct. So the word of God is what you use from time to time, or what I use to get me through. And I find out that there's no shortcut in life. Ah. I like shortcuts. (laughs) All of us. (laughs) I find that sometimes you have to go through stuff. And the word of God helps you. The word of God renews your your mind. Because sometimes the devil puts stuff in your mind. But you you have to get the word of God and let God put stuff in your mind. So you're listening to God's voice and not the voice of the devil or not the voice of your situation. Yeah. So, to, so, so you're laboring. Your laboring is holding on to God, holding on to the word rather than the situation. You know, um, sometimes we listen to testimonies. You think it takes 10 minutes to go through the testimonies or it takes 45 minutes <laughs> to preach it. That, that's, what, that's how long it took for that thing to happen. Yeah. But sometimes it takes months, it takes years, you know, but, but you hold on to God, and that is laboring, laboring to get into that rest. And when you get into that rest, you are resting your, in your spirit, in your soul, that, you know, you love God. I mean, and God loves you. You, you, you know, sometimes you forget that, hey, does God love me? But you have to keep on reminding yourself, like Pastor said, that God loves you. God, God is there with you. I remember there was one time I was so down here, and uh, Pastor Mary, Mary said, 
do you believe that in that situation you are in, God is right there in the midst? Because I had forgotten. That Amen. So, you know, so whatever, wherever you may find yourself, Amen. God is there Amen. with you. Because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. And you have to remind yourself Amen. about what God is saying. Because Amen. the devil is always going to bring first you. Amen. You know? So Amen. you can do all things through Christ. Amen. Amen. That's very good. Thank you. Dr. Akimala, yes, that's so good. That's very good. Thanks for that contribution, yes. Um, Pastor mentioned something about fear and rest cannot coexist. Yeah. Um, if you really don't experience certain things, you really don't have any idea what that means. Mm. So um, I had a situation in business where um, a client came back and said, you know what, we hold them money. So once they said that, uh, at first I was afraid. I'm like, this can be close to half a million dollars, really. Uh, where am I going to get this money? Uh, the money they paid out front is already gone in payroll and all kinds of expenses. What do I do? So I was panicking in my spirit. And uh, when you're afraid, you really can't hear God. Absolutely not. So, uh, and this, this has been going on Hold since. On, please, I, mean, I think we need to hear that again. No, seriously, <laughs> because that's where most of us are. That's a very good point. Fear will rob you of faith every time. Yeah. That's it. Oh, man, I'm going to lose this. Oh, my God. What are... <laughs> You'll be shaking like a, like a mad person. Yeah. yeah, it just robs us. So thank you for saying that again. Yes. So um, I didn't know what to do. I don't have the money anymore. It's gone. So um, where do I start? This was about a time when the message of rest was, was, we began to hear that message. So I said to myself, I just need to sit still and just hear God and figure out what I need to do next. I'm not going uh, to be in a panic, and I'm not going to respond to them because I'm afraid. Let me just chill for a minute. While I was in that period of rest, um, God just told me, you know what? The initial budget for that contract is unit-based. That is what you need to go talk to them about. So, so you heard something from I God? I heard something. Did you hear that? I I th- no, wait, 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 wait. Let's break it down. I beg you. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Because this is, this is where it's at. It's not the formulas that's going to get you over. God wants you to be intimately having communion with him. And it is in those communion times, he drops things in your spirit that becomes the answer to the problem. Yeah. Because I had forgotten about all of that. So now I've had to review all of the budget and reviewed all the spreadsheets and then go back to them to say, guys, it's not so. As a matter of fact, you owe us money. There you go. So, <laughs> so we went back and forth, back and forth, and then they came back to say, well, um, instead of uh, all of that money up front, now they want a refund of about $70,000. So I responded back to them again and showed them why they don't, we don't hold them $70,000. And they came back to say, you know what? It's no longer 70, it's now 30. Uh-huh. Now. <laughs> from half a million. The, it's still evolving. He's got a good negotiator. <laughs> from half a million to 30. <laughs> it's still evolving. We're not there yet. Yes. But at the end of the day, I'm confident that they will cough up what they hold. Why can you be confident? Because. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Seriously. I, I, I'm, I'm after something. Yeah, why can you be confident? Uh, because. Um, I'm just at rest. I'm not worried about it. Even if I have to write them a check for $30,000 tomorrow, I'll gladly do it. Amen. I but, don't, 
the, the reason you can be arrested. You started from half of half a million. Exactly. We have fear almost overwhelmed you. Yeah. And God gave you a word that's turned a half a million deficit yeah. down to 30,000. Abba. I'll take any God I can do that any day. <laughs> you are emboldened. You are now empowered. You know you're onto something. Yeah. And you can rest. You can rest assured that, if, like you said, if it, if it goes back and says 30,000, that God that brought from half a million to 30 is more than able to write the check yeah. and give them extra on top of it and give them a tip. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you see, the psalmist says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness that's found in Christ Jesus. Now you are bold because now you know that your God is up to something. It emboldens you. That is powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. Ah, praise God. Okay. Salola, you want to pray tonight? You're not at rest? Come, 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 come. I say, come. What part of come do you not understand? C O M E, come. I gave you enough warning. Did I give you enough warning? <laughs> How many months notice did I give you? <laughs> we are ready to pray. <laughs>